0: Good morning. Good morning. Today is Thursday, November 11th. We have uh, we're starting Galatians. We have chapters one and two, and we have a Psalm five, and we'll have a video about Galatians. So let's ask uh, the Lord's blessing, and then we'll get into this video. Heavenly Father, amazing. Creator of the universe and all it contains. We're so thankful for you, Lord, that you love us, that you saved us, that you want to actually hear from us and you desire to play a huge role in our lives, Lord, and just by leading us and directing us in every way. And so. Lord, help us to be uh, welcoming of that, embracing uh, your direction, your love in our lives, Lord, your personal touch in each and every one of us. And Lord, be with us now as we start this new book, Galatians, Lord, just give us uh, wisdom and understanding uh, as we begin to just read this letter that uh, you wrote through Paul to the church there and to, to us, of course. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Give us wisdom and understanding. Okay, Paul confronts the Galatian Christians for thinking they could supplement God's grace by observing certain commands in the Torah. He reminds them that salvation is a total gift of God's love and needs no completion through religious rituals. All right, let's start this.
1: Paul's letter to the Galatians. It was written to a number of churches in the region of Galatia where Paul had traveled on one of his missionary journeys. You can read the stories in the book of Acts. He wrote this important letter from a place of deep passion and frustration. Here's the backstory. Christianity began as a Jewish messianic movement in Jerusalem but its message was for all humanity and so it quickly spread beyond Israel. By Paul's time as a missionary there were as many non-Jews as there were Jewish people in the Jesus movement and this sparked a huge debate that we know about from the book of Acts chapter 15. Historically, the covenant people of God were focused in one ethnic group, Israel. And they were set apart by the practices commanded in the Torah, like circumcision of males, eating kosher, observing the Sabbath. And there were many Jewish Christians who believed that for all of these non-Jews to truly become a part of God's family, They needed to obey the laws of the Torah. And so some of these Jewish Christians ended up coming to the Galatian churches. They were undermining Paul and demanding circumcision of all these male non-Jewish Christians. And so many of them were. And when Paul found out, he was brokenhearted and angry. And this letter is the result. He first challenges the Galatians with his summary of the Gospel message about the crucified Messiah. He then argues that this Gospel is what creates the new multi-ethnic family of Jesus and Abraham. And then he shows how this Gospel is what truly transforms people by the presence and power of the Spirit. He opens by expressing his bewilderment that the Galatians have embraced a different Gospel. It is the one promoted by these Christians who badmouth Paul and demand circumcision. So Paul first defends the authenticity of his message and authority as an apostle. He was commissioned by the risen Jesus himself to go to the non-Jewish world. Remember the story from the book of Acts. Paul says it was only later that he went to Jerusalem to consult the other apostles like Peter or James. And when he told them he wasn't requiring non-Jewish Christians to be circumcised or eat kosher, they were in full support. But this tension ran deeper. Peter had come to Antioch to visit and see all of these non-Jewish Christians, and he was eating and mingling with them. But when some of this Jerusalem opposition group showed up in Antioch, Peter caved under their pressure. He stopped eating with these uncircumcised Christians, and he was avoiding them. And so Paul confronted and accused Peter of hypocrisy, of not staying true to the gospel. For Paul, demanding these new Christians to become circumcised and Torah observant it's wrong-headed for all kinds of reasons. First of all, because it is a betrayal of the gospel. Or in his words, people are not justified by the works of the Torah, but rather by the faith of Jesus the Messiah. And we have faith in the Messiah Jesus. To be justified, or literally to be declared righteous, it's a rich Old Testament term for Paul. It's when God declares that someone is in a right relationship with him. They're forgiven, they're given a place in God's family, and they are being transformed by God's grace. And it's Paul's conviction that no one can be justified by observing the commands of the Torah, but only by the faith of Jesus. This is a dense phrase, and it could refer to Jesus' own faithfulness in living and dying on our behalf, Or it could refer to our own trust and devotion to Jesus. Either way, the point is clear. People are justified only through trusting in what God did for them through Jesus, not by what they do for themselves. At the heart of Paul's Gospel is this claim that when people trust in the Messiah Jesus, what is true of him becomes true of them. His life, death, and resurrection become theirs. Or in his words, I've been crucified with the Messiah. And it's not I who come back to life. It's the Messiah living in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the reason anyone can say that they are right with God or belong to Jesus' covenant family it's not because they obeyed the laws of the Torah it's only because of what Jesus did for them that they could never do for themselves Now, this profound understanding of what Jesus accomplished, it has huge implications for who can now be included in God's covenant family and for what it means to live as a member of that family So Paul first turns to the stories about Abraham in Genesis, how he was justified or declared righteous before God by simply having faith, by trusting in God's promise that one day all nations would find God's blessing through him and his offspring. God's purpose was always to have one large multi-ethnic family of people who relate to him on the basis of faith, not on the laws of the Torah. But that raises an important question. Why did God give the laws of the Torah to Israel then? Here Paul offers a very brief and dense explanation that he will later fill out in his letter to the Romans. He observes that the laws of the Torah were given to Israel at Mount Sinai long after God's promise to Abraham. And if you read the Torah carefully, he says, you'll see that God always intended the laws to be a temporary measure. He says the laws had both a negative and a positive role. Negatively, the laws acted like a magnifying glass on Israel's sin. They exposed how Israel shared in the sinful human condition, constantly rebelling against God's law. And so the law, which is good, ended up pronouncing Israel guilty and all humanity with them. Or in his words, the laws imprisoned everyone under the power of sin. But the laws also had a positive role. They acted like a strict school teacher that kept Israel in line until the coming of the promised offspring of Abraham, the Messiah. And once the Messiah came, he fulfilled the purpose of the laws on Israel's behalf. Jesus was the faithful Israelite who truly loved God and neighbor and as Israel's king he died to take the curse and consequence of Israel's failure into himself and bring redemption. And so now through Jesus, the offspring of Abraham, God's blessing can come to all people regardless of their ethnicity, social status or gender. For Paul, requiring Torah observance from non-Jewish Christians, it makes no sense. It's acting as if Jesus didn't fulfill God's promise or deal with our sins. It neglects the new freedom gained for us through Jesus and the gift of the Spirit, and it limits God's promise and blessing to one ethnic family. But, Paul's opponents might argue, the laws of the Torah they are a proven guide to living according to God's will. How will non-Jewish Christians learn this? Paul responds in chapters 5 and 6 by describing how Jesus' transforming presence through the Spirit is the key. The laws of the Torah are good. They're wise, Paul says. In fact, they can all be summarized, as Jesus did, in the command to love your neighbor as yourself. But the laws, good as they are, they did not give Israel the power to obey them. In contrast, the good news is that Jesus did fulfill the laws on our behalf and now he lives in us through the Spirit, making his people into new humans who fulfill the law by loving others. So Paul goes on to contrast this old and new humanity. The habits of the old humanity are obvious. These are behaviors that dehumanize people, they destroy relationships and whole communities. And while the laws of the Torah prohibited these behaviors, Jesus actually put them to death on the cross. So when a person trusts in Jesus and lives in dependence on the Spirit, his life becomes theirs and produces what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. This is Jesus' way of life that he wants to reproduce in his family so that they become people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But this fruit isn't automatic, Paul says. It requires cultivation, just like real fruit. Or in his words, if we live by the Spirit, we have to keep in step with the Spirit. This requires intentionality. We have to learn how to prune off our old habits and cultivate new ones. And as we do so, we find ourselves carried along by the Spirit as Jesus reshapes our minds and hearts and makes us into people who love God and others. And in this way, Jesus' people fulfill what Paul calls the Torah of the Messiah. In the end, Paul concludes, this requirement for Christians to become Torah observant or be circumcised, it's an adventure in missing the point. What really matters is God's new creation, this new multi-ethnic family of the Messiah, people full of faith in Jesus who are learning to love God and others in the power of the Spirit. And that's what the letter to the Galatians is all about. Okay.
0: <clears throat> Galatians chapter one. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Paul. <clears throat> Paul, there we go. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, the God and Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the church of, churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I am now seeking the For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I, w- how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Jerusalem beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me to th- by his grace... Was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. Chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of the revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain but even Titus who was with me was not forced to be circumcised though he was a greek yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in who slipped into in slipped into spy out our freedom that we have in jesus in christ jesus so that they might bring us into slavery to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you and from those who seemed to be influential what they, were, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to these circumcised work also through me, For mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go into the Gentiles, and they to be circumcised, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. we too were found to be sinners is Christ then a servant of sin certainly not for if i rebuild what i tore down i prove myself to be a transgressor for though the law for through the law i died to the law so that i might live to god i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Wow, let's uh, read Psalm 5 now. It's titled Lead Me into Your Righteousness. It's to the choir master for the flutes. It's a Psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groanings. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God. For to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their innermost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out. For they have rebelled against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. O Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for you, for your act of justifying us, Lord, redeeming us, adopting us as sons and daughters, Lord, restoring us to a right relationship with you. And it's all through what you did on the cross. You giving up your life for us, Lord. Just help us to give up our lives for you, Lord. Help us to let go of the flesh and the things of our old nature. Lord, just completely let them go. Completely and totally serve you and follow you. Help us to love one another and to do things in their best interest, Lord. Father, thank you for being so forgiving and so uh, long-suffering, Lord, with us. And Lord, help us to have that same forgiveness, Lord, to those around us. Help us to forgive like you forgive. Lord, thank you for providing for our needs, Lord. You're such an ample provider uh, in abundance, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. so thankful for your provision, Lord, and we just ask that you continue to provide for us. Lord, we ask that you would work in and through us your will, Lord, your will on this earth, but your will in and through each one of us, Lord, as we you know it's your will, is that our our flesh would be dead and buried, Lord, and you would live in and through us, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to the world around us, Lord, in and through us, Lord. So, Lord, we just ask that you would accomplish that will Help us to be. Submit to that, Lord. Submit to your authority, to your lead in our lives, Lord. Every aspect of it, Lord. Everything we say out of our mouths, every thought, Lord. Lord, help us to be more and more and more like you. Lord, forgive those uh, that don't know, Lord, that haven't seen you, they don't know you, Lord. They don't know what they do. We don't know what we what we're doing, Lord. We have, we don't, we don't know how big you are and how amazing you are and that difference. And how much respect you deserve. And uh, we as your children don't know it, Lord, to the degree we we will one day i guess lord but the lost don't know it at all they don't know you at all and so lord reveal yourself to them lord those that are suffering mark and trish i think about and we just ask that you would heal uh, lord uh, i don't know how mark's legs are doing but i know he's had wounds going there on his legs and just trish uh, just We just ask that you lift, we just lift that couple up to you, Lord. We ask your will to be done. We ask that your spirit would intercede. uh, Lord, uh, Pam, we just ask for healing of her wounds, Lord, that it would heal up quickly and, uh, Lord, that the pain would be less and less and less each and every day, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you give uh, Lynn and Monica and the family just direction and insight on how to proceed, Lord, and where to go. And same with Mark and Trish, Lord. Just can be such difficult decisions, Lord, as our health of our loved ones decline, and uh, and how much uh, we can be caretakers, and do where the professionals need to step in, Lord. And it's just a uh, just extremely difficult. Extremely difficult to make those decisions and those uh, directions that are best for uh, the people we love, Lord. And so, Lord, we just ask for your grace and your uh, insight and your wisdom as uh, decisions like that uh, are being made, Lord. Will be made at some point, Lord. Lord, be with uh, just those that are with COVID and sick, and uh, we just ask for healing. Clay's got a sinus infection, Lord, we just ask that you heal him up quickly, and uh, Lord, just with different ailments and the COVID al- uh, virus and other things, Lord, we just ask that you would just, uh, just re- give our bodies a good resistance to uh, these diseases, and uh, just help us to remain healthy, and if we uh, catch anything, Lord, just help our bodies to just work through them uh, as you designed them to do, Lord. We us today, and just help us to glorify you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great day, guys.